Welcome to the Beyond Clinical Medicine program with a Don't Teach You in Residency. I'm Rob Strauss, Team Health's Chief Medical Training Officer, and this podcast involves the critically important topic of women in leadership. There's plenty of evidence demonstrating that businesses with more female leaders achieve greater success, including financial performance. And with effective leaders in such short supply, why would anyone not fully engage all talented members of their team? And yet, all too often, efforts to promote and develop female leaders fall short. Today, Goldman Sachs refused to participate in any IPOs if the organization had all white, straight men on their board. I'm excited to introduce our guest host, Jennifer Beam. She's an executive vice president for Team Health and has helped to found and lead its successful and growing Women in Leadership program. Jennifer is highly effective, results-oriented, and is adept at building relationships with physicians, clients, and other healthcare leaders. Jennifer, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Dr. Strauss. I am pleased to be participating in the podcast today. On this episode, we are going to have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. E.J. Akinili. She's Assistant Medical Director for Team Health, and she's going to talk about her experiences and challenges as a female leader. She oversees 10 hospitals, and she was uh, Medical Director of the Year for Team Health in 2019. Dr. Akinili is also an Assistant Clinical Professor of Medicine at Yale School of Medicine and Assistant Professor of Emergency Medicine at Quinnipiac University. She received her undergraduate degree from the University of Pennsylvania, her master's degree from Harvard, and medical degree from the University of Maryland, and she has eight years of clinical experience. I have had the pleasure of working with Dr. Akinuli in the past, and she is an effective leader who has earned the respect of her fellow clinicians, both male and female. We're excited to be hearing from her today. We'll just go ahead and get started. And my first question, Dr. Akinuli, can you share your journey to become a leader and any personal challenges you've worked through? Medicine is a second career for me. I started off my career working at the World Bank, trying to formulate economic policies for poor countries in the world. Interestingly, I felt like I needed to do more. There was more I could do in the world, so I became a doctor. And my first year out of residency was a collision of different factors. My mom was dying of cancer. I was overwhelmed by just the sheer enormity of problems in healthcare, from social disparities in healthcare to social determinants of health poverty and homelessness. In many ways, I had gone into healthcare with this utopian view of changing the world, and here I was being faced with a reality in one of the richest countries of the world that people could not afford their insulin. I didn't recognize it then, but I do now that I went through an intense period of burnout where I felt like I wasn't making a difference in anybody's life and maybe I had made the wrong choice. And of course, my mom's health was something which weighed heavily on me. So becoming a female leader was a leader was my way of coming out on the other side, of taking back ownership of the narrative and saying that I would part of the change I wanted. One hospital at a time, one patient at a time. It's been an exciting journey. My mom is no longer with us, but I know that she would have been very proud. 
Thank you for sharing that. That is so neat to hear about the ways you've enabled your personal experiences to affect your professional life and use that to just formulate a plan for yourself. Uh, And we've all benefited from that, I'm sure. But thank you for sharing that. Next, can you tell us about a few leaders who may have had a significant impact on your career? So I've been influenced by all kinds of leaders, historical leaders like Mahatma Gandhi, um, Martin Luther King, present-day leaders like Condoleezza Rice, Oprah Winfrey, Hillary Clinton. I've been influenced by a whole group of leaders, but I believe true leadership is found in everyday life. So I look back at all the nursing directors I've worked with, all the regional medical directors, people who have showed up day in, day out in this very busy, often chaotic system of healthcare and showed up every day and done the best for their patients and their communities. I've been influenced by all that. I try very much to learn a little bit from everybody I meet. And my theme throughout is servant leadership. So I have been influenced and had the good fortune to work with a lot of great leaders and to be influenced by a lot of historical figures who stood up for what is right, may not be very popular, but always stood up for what's right. Yes, I can relate to that too. I I think it's often a possibility to find inspiration in places you didn't expect it to to be, and and often that's in everyday life. So uh, agree with uh, what you're saying there. Thank you. Let's talk a little bit about what you perceive as general characteristics of successful female leaders. So I know now, I probably did not know this eight years ago, but I know now very intuitively that a strong female leader remains her authentic self. So we live in a society where there's a very fixed, non-varying notion of strength and leadership. It's almost always tied to domination. But I know now that true leadership is servant leadership and that it is okay for a strong female leader to be authentic. So I remember going through residency and being pretty emotional, especially with patients. And I, somebody said, you know, you're not going to keep crying when patients have bad news. You're going to change. You're going to become hardened. All these years, I still reach out for the napkin in patients' room when I give them a bad diagnosis. And that is okay. That is its own type of strength, and we have to celebrate that. Strong female leaders are also excellent in what they do. Uh, My mother, who was a strong role model of mine, told me, you have to be 10 times as good. She said, not twice, not three times. You have to be 10 times as good. You have to be better than the competition because for better or for worse, you still have the deck stacked against you. We also need to have strong female leaders that believe in the vision of their organizations and in the vision of excellence and they're able to drive change by getting people to ascribe to that vision in a way that gets communities and people and organizations together to work collaboratively. Another thing I've admired in female leaders is the ability to um, really get people at the table, and sometimes we don't see that too often in healthcare, to be able to step back and not be reactive in situations, to be able to stand firm and have integrity and be strong, but strong in a very nuanced, multifaceted kind of way. But it's also about being yourself. So whether you know, I can, you can still be a great ED doc and talk about your kids' baseball game or the challenges you have with a new addition to family or transitions. 
those are all the things that make us truly human and great leaders. Thank you. That's great insight uh, into different traits that can apply to your personal life and your leader as a leader of your family or your leader in a clinical setting at work or in other areas of your life. So thank you for sharing your thoughts on that. Let's turn now to your observations about barriers that you think may be holding women back. There, as we've you know, mentioned, um, there are multiple barriers holding women back. Sometimes for my generation of women, we're told, make sure you're at the table when you're leaning and you are always at the table. Sometimes I wonder if the problem is not that we're not at the table. It's just we don't even know where the zip code of the party is holding. And how can we be at the table if we don't even know the conversations are happening? So the first barrier is that historically women have been excluded, not consciously, but sometimes just by a confluence of factors from those conversations and those settings and those spaces where power is propagated. Things are changing and things are changing rapidly. Additionally, um, especially in medicine, women have not been at the leadership table or even at the leadership event. The second barrier is just biological timing and the fact that even in households where a lot of the work is shared equally, mothers still tend to do a burden of the work and that at the time we want women to start escalating their careers or taking on more and more leadership roles, they tend to also have responsibilities with family, with children, with aging parents, etc. I think they're not insurmountable barriers, but they're barriers that exist. The final one is that all these lead to a situation where we do not have a good or stronger, robust enough pipeline for female leaders. So when you don't have a pipeline, it's very difficult to recruit women leaders when you don't have a pipeline or a mentorship system. I do remember vividly a conversation I had when I became assistant medical director and I had a call with one of my old colleagues in Texas who said, I know this is hard, but you have to realize that you're paving the way for the next generation of women in this company. And I thought that was great for him to have noticed and said, because that doesn't happen, that he knew that that was an extra challenge. So there are lots of barriers, um, but you know, I grew up as a young girl in eastern Nigeria, and I still know that this is one of the greatest countries in the world, and there are infinitely more opportunities for women here than many other parts of the world and that some of these challenges will keep getting better, uh, especially with things like the Women's Leadership Forum. Absolutely. I cannot agree with you more about the importance of mentorship and having women out there who show other women and men, for that matter, who show other who show women what leadership should look like. Um, that mentorship is so powerful and so important to create that pipeline that you're talking about. Completely agree. Okay, what suggestions might you have um, for someone who is beginning to prepare themselves for their first or perhaps their next leadership position? So the first thing is you have to be excellent at whatever you do. Not just good, excellent. And that's hard, right? Excellence takes work. You have to be, as I said, completely prepared. And sometimes it's the extra burden we bear that we feel like we have to represent an entire generation of women, which is not entirely fair, but you have to be completely prepared. Um, You have to be motivated. You have to be willing to be a change agent. 
And once you get your leadership position, you have to be the one that remains a mentor and advocate for other women or other people who are traditionally not represented or marginalized from those spaces um, that you have. You also have to be authentically strong and bring value value proposition to the table, not just because you're a woman, but because you're a strong professional. And it's, I've said this before, it's okay to show a nuanced version of yourself. I remember thinking that, you know, you had to be a certain way to survive or succeed as a leader, and you don't. I appreciate that response, though, Dr. Akinili, and, and I think you're alluding to the ability and the importance of kind of stretching out of your comfort zone and taking those opportunities as they come forward. So I uh, appreciate your perspective on that. Thank you. Yeah. Absolutely. Take every opportunity, every single opportunity. I remember when I started in Texas as prior to becoming an assistant medical director, there was nobody interested in being part of the stroke committee. And I took that opportunity because, you know, you may not have opportunities or formal openings or formal job descriptions, but take every single opportunity that comes your way and make the best out of it. And then show what you can do, and then you may be, there may be potential for other openings. So be excellent in what you do. Take charge of what's available, and don't sell yourself short. I, I want to thank you very much for taking the time to speak with me today and sharing all of your valuable insights. There's much that um, leaders can learn from this uh, podcast today and, and from the insights you've provided. I wanted to just kind of highlight a, a couple of things that I heard you say that resonated with me and, and can uh, somewhat summarize your, your talk today, but you talked a lot about your personal commitment to servant leadership and being that servant leader every day. Uh, you spoke a bit about freedom to be your authentic self, and we talk a lot about that now, and I think that's so important to be authentically strong and your authentic self in each part of your life and in all of your leadership positions. You talked also about creating opportunities and having uh, opportunities to be at the table. Make sure you're in the right place so that when opportunity presents itself, you can capitalize on that. You mentioned one of the struggles that many women have around kind of biological timing and life events and how they um, might not come at the opportune time and, and uh, require balance with career opportunities and, and how it's important for us as female leaders to address that and the importance of that. You talked a lot about mentorship and having role models, and I know you have served as a role model for those who are coming behind you, and you had some effective mentors and colleagues who uh, served that same role for you and helped you develop. So I think we all recognize that importance of, of mentorship and, and have that perspective. So I, I just want to, again, thank you for all of those insights, Dr. Akineli, and appreciate everything that you do as a women leader in clinical medicine and administrative roles. Um, appreciate very much your time today. Thank you again. Thank you so much, Jennifer. I really appreciate it. Jennifer, thank you for all the work that you do after listening to this program. I'm, I'm hoping that you'll be willing to be a guest host again. Thank you, Dr. Strauss. I've really enjoyed being a part of this, and I'd, I'd be happy to do that again. I hope you've enjoyed this Beyond Clinical Medicine podcast with Jennifer Beam and Dr. E.J. Akunyuli. 
If you have any questions about this topic or suggestions for other topics, please contact us at beyondclinicalmedicine.org. Thank you.